Good morning. So happy to be here with you all. You know, um, don't you feel like we're all on one team? I mean, on Tuesday mornings, it's just so so sweet. And um, and so I count it a great privilege to be here with you and very humbled to be standing before you, especially there, there have been many giants in this room who have, um, uh, have encouraged me over the years um, to continue on in the faith and, and have walked with me through dear friends in this room who've walked with me through some very difficult times. And um, uh, my mother-in-law's in this room. I don't say so there she is. Um, uh, somebody who'd give her life for her own son, my husband, at any moment. And um, so I don't take it lightly that, that I'm here before you. And um, thank you. Thank you to Cricket for giving me an opportunity. Um, if, if, I, if I say anything great, I feel like I represent my own small group here. I love that they're sitting right there because, um, because I know they're cheering for me and, and kind of, so anyway, I feel like I'm, I'm with them and then, and, and Cricket also, I appreciate it. And so, um, uh, here, I'll say one word of prayer just for more for me. I guess y'all can listen in. Uh, dear Lord, please go before us in this time and, um, and have your way, Lord. Be exalted. You are the great and the most high God and you are a high priest. And we trust ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. For his sake, amen. Um, okay. Cricket, is it all? Yay. Okay. We had a few de- technical difficulties, so you learned to rely on the Lord, and then he, he did his thing. Um, uh, so today, I want to um, emphasize to you a couple things. We're going to start, oh, I guess I'll turn to the right page here. Um, we're going to start with a quick review. You know, the supremacy of Christ is what um, we've been hearing about. It's a theme throughout all of Hebrews, Right. The supremacy of Christ, the supremacy of Christ. In, in chapters 1 and 2, we've talked about that he's uh, superior and supreme over all angels. Then we've talked about in um, uh, three, chapter 3 that he is superior, he's supreme over even greater Moses, right? And now this week we're going to go into the fact that he is our great high priest, great and greatest high priest, um, and uh, differentiated. And those are kind of the top guns. Th- those are the Navy SEALs of this deal. Um, those are the those are the um, the top guns, and then he's the greatest of the great high priests. So we're going to get into that. There's two things that I want to emphasize to you this morning. Um, two places where I feel like we should camp. The, the Lord continues to press upon my heart and mind. Jesus, the, let's stop and pause for a second on Jesus being the great high priest, and then the second part. So now what? How how now shall we live? Um, how in the world does that impact us, knowing all these great truths about the Lord? Um, so, you know, I don't know if y'all felt this way, but I came week one, I was a little intimidated by this um, this uh, pursuit of study in God's Word through Hebrews. I mean, I was like, Cricket, do we need a Old Testament, you know, um, do I need to have like a... Um, uh, class online from DTS to come in, you know, it, it, was, it felt a little bit daunting. Um, and yet, so sometimes you get high, fire hydrant uh, when you're reading God's Word, or it can be a little overwhelming. Today I want us to stop and just kind of sip for a second, but really drink in what um, God is, is uh, speaking to us through this book um, and through the letter, the writer of the Hebrews. So firstly, Jesus is our great high priest. Let's look at the passage. We're in um, the latter part of Hebrews chapter 4 and then all of Hebrews chapter 5 this morning. Um, Jesus is our great high priest. In verse 14, 
I'll read, read it out loud. And all this I know comes for review because you guys have been studying this all week long. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. And I just want to pause with you as we look at why Jesus is our great high priest. The first point, no other high priest um, has passed through the heavens. Jesus has passed through the heavens. Now, if we stop and take our little sip and drink for a second, that is incredibly profound. In Genesis um, chapter 1, 26, you'll recognize this verse. The Lord is um, uh, uh, the triune God, the three in one, the great three in one is, is right there on creation. And guess what he says in Genesis 1, 26? He says, let us, God said, let us, uh, a plural pronoun, make our image, uh, make a man, make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. There's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all in Genesis 1. Um, they're there. And guess where they are? In the heavens, creating um, the world, creating, and they're getting ready to make man. In John 1, we see that um, God has made flesh. You know this passage. In, in verse 14 of John 1, he's creator. He is life and light of men. Um, the word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we have seen his glory. So he's the God who's come near. He's, he's passed through the heavens. But let me tell you, as, as you study this, our great God, our great high priest, has passed through the heavens to come down, to be near. But, you know, the rest of us, according to Acts, we all have one-way travel. We're going to be called up, right? And, and, but he, does, he doesn't he doesn't operate on our system. He can pass through the heavens to come down and be near us. And, oh, here's the good news. He goes up and he will take us with him. Um, so I just love that. Um, Acts 1.10, he was lifted up um, in a cloud and, and taken out of sight. In verse 11, uh, Jesus, this Jesus, this is Acts chapter 1, he was taken up and he will come again in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So, Jesus um, is our great high priest, and he has passed through the heavens. He is our creator. He is the Lord God, um, word made flesh. He is our high priest and our human sacrifice, all of this. And it's worth taking a sip, isn't it? And drinking slowly and savoring. Um, in, Matthew, in, Mark, in Mark 16, sorry, Mark 16 we're, um, the, the 12 disciples, Jesus has, has come back. He's getting ready to make his ascension. And he goes, um, and then to top it off, he's passed through the heavens to sit at the right hand of God in a position of power. He is our risen Savior. He's beaten sin and death on our behalf. So he has passed through the heavens. Did you take a sip? Did you take a, drink, a, a deep sip? Did you enjoy it? Here's the second part I want to um, uh, emphasize to you about our great high priest. Our great high priest perfectly sympathizes with us. He perfectly sympathizes with us. This is um, in chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. Jesus, our great high priest, <laughs> is the greatest high priest because, you know, we all have the human experience. We can sympathize with others, and, and people have sympathized in this room mightily 
in my life, but there's one, one alone in each of our lives who sympathizes perfectly. That is Jesus, our Lord. Let me read to you what, um, what uh, um, C.S. Lewis has to say about, let's see if I'm in the right spot. I'm going to read it off here because I'm, I'm taking my spot out. Okay. No man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. A silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, you find out the strength of the German army by fighting against it, not by giving in. You find out the strength of a wind by trying to walk against it, not by lying down. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. That is why bad people, in one sense, know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. We never find out, listen, we never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. And Christ, oh, get ready, here's the good news. And Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. The only complete realist. Are you drinking? Are you you taking a sip? That's your Savior. That's my Savior. Christ alone. Thirdly, I want to emphasize to you why Christ is our great high priest. We've said he passed through the heavens. We said he perfectly sympathizes with his people. I should tell you on that second point before I move on that, you know, in chapter 5, you you read this along with me this week. Um, Verse 2, we see the other priests, they're great high priests, but guess what? They have to make atonement for their own sin. They were beset with weakness, verse 2 of chapter 5. And verse 3, they had to sacrifice uh, for their own sins, but not so with our Savior. He is perfect, and he perfectly sympathizes. There is nothing, nothing in your life, in my life, that he cannot get in with his perfect sympathy and address. We have a great hope. Number three, our great high, pers- our great high priest, he gives mercy and grace. All right, let's see. Verse 16, let us then... With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's chapter 4. The Lord himself gives mercy and grace. Now, you know, in Leviticus 1 through 9, you can almost open up any one of those chapters and and read about Jesus being our Old Testament um, high priest and what that means. I mean, excuse me, about the Old Testament sacrificial system and that there is a high priest who is... um, to make atonement for the Israelites for their sin. Well, here's our great high priest. Our great high priest is the one who makes atonement for the sin as the mediator between God and man. But guess what? And we're going to read about this, so I'm just going to wet your palate for it because it's coming again as we talk about sacrifices and about we'll go on in Hebrews. Jesus, our high priest, is also the great sacrifice, isn't he? So he's the greatest of them all. He's both the, the high priest and he's the sacrifice. And we know from Leviticus that they had to keep coming back, didn't they, to offer those sacrifices. A bull, a goat, was not going to take away the sins of the people. And it's coming to you, so I'm going to just wet your palate for that. 
But Hebrews goes on to talk about that. Um, he gives mercy and grace. And, and there is a, an exhortation for us in there. We'll get to that in a moment. But we receive it, don't we? We receive mercy. Mercy I've always thought about as not getting what you deserve. It's the punishment that you deserve that you don't get. But grace is the unmerited favor. It's getting what you don't deserve. It's getting all the blessing that you don't deserve and that I don't deserve. Jesus is our great high priest, and he gives mercy and grace. Fourthly, why is Jesus our great high priest and the greatest high priest? Christ alone is appointed as a perfect high priest, and, and he is God's son. In chapter 5, verses 5 through 10, well, we've already talked about in, in chapter 4, verse 14, that he, we have a great high priest. We do. But chapter 5, verses 5 through 10, here it is. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Do you see it? Do you see it? He is our high priest, and he has um, the Lord himself saying, You're my son. You're my son. Today I've begotten you. There's another place I want to just pause and I'll think about when you'll think about, you'll remember in Matthew 3, there's a dove that descended from heaven. There was a voice from heaven that said, you're my son with him, and with him I'm well pleased. This is not the first time that we've, we've heard the Lord himself call out Jesus, his son, and say that ownership and it means everything for us, doesn't it? That we are grafted into that ownership is an amazing thing. And subsequently, um, chapter 4 is about, in Matthew, is about the temptation of Christ, isn't it? He's taken right in from that incredible blessing and, and spoken word over him right into the temptation of Christ. In chapter 5 here of Hebrews, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect... He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. We know, we've already talked about that he was a great high priest, tempted as we are yet without sin. He's the sinless son of God. We're not talking about in chapter 5 that he learned obedience through what he suffered as if he was a sinner. He learned obedience through what he suffered in the demonstration of that perfection through suffering. Do you, get, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? He's the perfect son of God. There's no... There's no uh-oh, uh-oh, did, did the letter of the Hebrews, I mean, the right of the Hebrews get it mixed up? No, no, no. It's, uh, it's the working out of, of um, Christ's manifestation in, in flesh that he goes through suffering. So Christ alone is appointed as a perfect high priest, and he is the Son of God. I want to stop with you real quickly and make a brief mention of, of uh, verse 6 in that chapter 5. You are a priest forever and the order of Melchizedek. That's coming again too. So I'm just quick flyby for you. In chapter 7, we're going to get into Melchizedek. So I'm going to not spend a lot of time there. But in Genesis 14, Abram has just come out of battle. He's won. And there's this king of Salem. It talks about king of Salem, Melchizedek. And he's the priest. And he comes and gives blessing to Abram. And then Abram, in turn, gives a tenth of all that he has back to Melchizedek. Well, it's worth it to pause for just a second. Take your sip. Jesus is from the order of Melchizedek. 
Do you see who your Savior is? He is the great high priest. He is the sacrifice. He is the Son of God. And he is the king. He is the king. Um, Jesus was, uh, Melchizedek was taught, called the king of Salem. Jesus is, is uh, said, here, you're also a priest forever. You, after the order of Melchizedek, it's worth stopping and, and checking it out, y'all. Um, we need to drink. We need to see. This is our Savior. So, let's see where we are. We've said that he's passed through the heavens. We've said that Jesus perfectly sympathizes with his people. We've said that Jesus gives mercy and grace to you and to me, to all of us. And we've said that Jesus is appointed as high priest and, and he is God's son. So now what? Do we just go home on that? Do we just, do we just stop? Well, wait a second. You and I both know in, in this passage, we're given some exhortations. We also know from Hebrews that uh, the Lord gives warnings. Cricket's already taught us about that, that there are warnings. So we're going to get one of those in a second. So hold on. There's a little bit of a, a, there's a, little bit of a reprimand, but even that you're going to see. It's, it's glorious. It's given and cloaked in God's great redeeming love for us. All right. So now what? Firstly, Hold fast to our confession. So now how should we, live? How should we then live? I borrowed that from the 1970s book, Francis Schaeffer. Um, uh, he was talking about postmodern, kind of how do we now live? Um, well, here's this. Uh, uh, here's all this information. And um, remember, we've talked about that uh, the readers, the audience here has, is most likely having some persecution. So now what? How do we live? Sounds kind of like 2022 on that. Hold fast to our confession. Look at this. Hold fast. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the, through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. That's verse 14 of chapter 4. Hold fast in the Greek. The, the word means to, to be strong. To be strong. We're not talking about mediocre effort. We're talking about all-in effort. There's a picture I'm going to show you. Cricket's going to pull it up. And it is our son, Andrew. There's two there. Um, Linda and I will look at this differently because we're going to be praying for him while we're talking. <laughs> but uh, he loves to, my oldest, uh, Andy and I have six children. Our oldest is married boy. Our youngest is, mar is not married. He's 12. And he plays basketball. So it's a, it's a fun time of life. Uh, I've celebrated a wedding this past summer, and I also um, have to remind somebody to brush his teeth. <laughs> and then there's four girls in the middle. So um, this is our oldest boy, and I wanted you to have this word picture for holding fast. If you'll see on the left, I tried to uh, uh, zoom in because I wanted you to see the rope. Can you see the rope coming down? Now, this is where this comparison fails because Jesus isn't just our rope. Andrew, if he falls, he's going to fall. He may fall 20 feet. And he's tethered. He's got somebody at the bottom. I mean, really safe. He takes calculated risk. He's, he, he's uh, safe about it. But that's where the comparison fails because our anchor is not a little rope. Um, our anchor is the Lord God Almighty. Uh, but you can see him. Can you see his muscles? Can you see his legs? Can you see his hands? I mean, this guy is, he's not sitting on his laurels. We're not, there's no mediocre effort here. 
he's getting ready to, you can see the, on the right picture, he's going down a bit if he, if, he doesn't, if he doesn't hold fast. I want you to have that word picture in your mind as you consider how now we should live. How should we then live? Hold fast to our confession. We talked about Crooked mentioned last week in chapter 3, verse 6, but Christ is faithful. This is Hebrews 3, verse 6. Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. In Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We are to hold fast. There's an active pursuit. And that's why we're here, isn't it? So we're doing it. We're doing it. We got to keep doing it. We got to do it daily. We got to do, we got to hold fast corporately in our small groups and corporately in here and corporately on Sundays and Sunday school or whatever it may be or with your grandchildren or with your children or at your workplace, wherever. But we also want to hold fast individually, don't we, before the Lord. Um, and that brings me to our next point. Draw near. Hold fast. Draw near, number two on this part of. So now what? How, how should we now live? How should we then live? Hebrews 4, verse 16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Greek word for draw near is to approach. Again, an active word. Hold fast. Draw near. We've, we've, got, a, we've got a role to play, don't we? We've got a role to play. And I, I love, I started to switch these out and put draw near first because it sounds like it comes first, doesn't it? But it didn't in the passage, so I, I kept it the way. And then I started thinking, you know, it's really like a chicken and egg thing. Which came first? Do we draw near or do we hold fast? Do we hold fast and then we draw near? I want to encourage you to let that cycle repeat over and over and over again in your own life. Daily. Let's come to, to the Lord. Daily, let's come to the Lord. Um, I'll have some more exhortations from this passage. In fact, we'll go on to the, the third thing that I want to encourage you. Press on. Train in righteousness. Constantly practice. This is chapter 5, verses um, 11 through 14. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain... <laughs> Since you have become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Here we are. It's, it's, all these exhortations here are, are packed into a warning, aren't they? We've already talked about, we've come, um, we, we're not to forget our salvation uh, in, in the early part of Hebrews. Now we're in, it says, it's a warning to us. We've become dull of well, the right of the Hebrews, but if Jen Pierce is going to be honest, sometimes I, I'm pretty dull of hearing. Um, but it's, 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 it's a warning but it's also a great hope for us. After all we've said about Jesus being our high priest, here we are. We can come near. We can draw near. We can approach 
the throne of grace. Um, we can hold fast to God's promises. And how does it happen? Well, for the dull of hearing, um, we, need to be, we need to beware. If we are, if there's any areas where we need to um, have a little check, this is it. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracle of God. You need milk. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. So if you live on milk and you're unskilled in the word of righteousness, how can we go on to solid food? Well, we need to become what in the word of righteousness? If we're unskilled over here, we need to become skilled over here, right? So, and that's, again, it feels fun to tell a group of ladies meeting on Tuesday morning who are studying God's word to tell them, keep going, become skilled. You're becoming skilled. You are being made into newness in Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Um, keep going. You can see uh, in verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Constant practice, daily. Let's think, if you're, if you're dull of hearing, there's an easy, an easy anecdote. Draw near. Hold fast. Come before the great throne of grace and mercy, and you will find a Savior who is open-armed and waiting for you. And remember, in James chapter 4, we studied it last, last uh, Bible study. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. <laughs> we serve a great high priest, and a great sacrifice, and a great Savior. So hear the warning. Don't become dull of hearing. If you have, if you have dull hearing right now, if I have dull hearing, and this will happen. It's happened uh, this week. I've been on my knees before the Lord. I need to get rid of the stuff that's clogging up my ears. Also maybe need to turn down the volume of all the competing noise. There's a couple ways you can be dull of hearing, isn't it? So we might need to confess and repent. We may need to reset a little bit. Wow, we should get a Savior who allows resetting. <laughs> we can, we have one. We have one. Uh, don't become dull of hearing. Instead, become skilled in the word of righteousness with, with training and constant practice. I want to point out a, a passage to you. Cricket will pull it up from 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. I love this passage because it, it, it has great hope for us. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. He's given everything to you and to me for life and godliness. None of us need the high priest from the Old Testament who offers on our behalf. He's given everything for you, for me, to live a life of godliness. If, I, if there's anything in my life that I want to go further on, that, that must mean, if he's given me everything for life and godliness, that he's not left me alone in that pursuit. He's not left you alone in that pursuit. He's given it to you. We know he's given you the Holy Spirit to reside within you, within me. He's reminding us of truth all the time. Um, I just want you to know that's a locker room talk right there. He's given you everything you need. He's never, 
I showed you that picture of my son, Andrew. He had on a, he, if you looked at him, he had a chalk bag in case his, his uh, hands got um, wet or sweaty. And he could reach in there and do that and then grab again. He's got the belts on. He's got somebody tethering him at the bottom. He's got the rope. He's gotten everything he needs to make that reach and to hold fast. You do too. I do too. And then lastly, we'll finish with this. Our, I'm going to read our, uh, and I, you can close your eyes, or I just, I'll try and read it slowly, this passage from Hebrews chapter 4. We want to sip again. Since then, we have a great high priest. You have a great high priest. I have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Since then. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, um, with our weakness, but one who, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'll pray for us and we'll finish on that. Heavenly Father, your word is truth. You set us free. You set us free. You give us everything for life and godliness. You are our great high priest. You are both the great high priest and the sacrifice that we need to have atonement for our sins. None of us brought bulls in here this morning or goats. We have a great high priest who is both high priest and savior and sacrifice. You're not only that, Lord, you're the Son of God. You came near to us. God made flesh. And you're also the King. You're a risen Savior. That tomb, there's no evidence of bones there. You have passed through the heavens, and you sit at the right hand of God the Father. And we are yours. Let us, Lord, then draw near. Please help us. Please help us. Help me. Help everyone in this room to draw near. Maybe it's to confess our sin if something's blocked our hearing. Or maybe we need to turn down the noises around us. Maybe it's daily drawing near to you through opening your word. Maybe, Lord, it is a note card today with a printed out scripture. If, if, if somebody's struggling with worry or if somebody's struggling with anger or somebody's struggling with... Um, bitterness, or whatever it may be. Maybe it's a note card from all your promises. We're going to hold fast, Lord. Please help us to hold fast to your truth. Um, help us to press on and continue, Father. I pray for everyone in this room, myself included, that we would have our powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And thank you that none of that pursuit is on our shoulders. You've given us everything for life and godliness. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.